0: Hey, Peter. Hey. It's the fourth quarter. Yeah. There's a minute and a half left on the scoreboard. Yeah. It's a Thai football game. You're at your five yard line. You gotta get down to at least the 30, so your kicker has a chance at a game-winning field
1: goal. Okay. How you feeling? Well, let me just get this straight. Fourth quarter. You're the quarterback. I'm the quarterback. Yep. Uh, I'm at the five yard line. Yep. Time is, wait, how many more quarters are there? That's it. (laughs) Oh, there's only four quarters? Buddy. (laughs) I'm Adam Annis. Uh, I'm Peter Martin. you got to explain that part because people are going to be like... You listen to the, you'll hear a podcast. What part? Music advice coming at you. I don't watch the NFL anymore. That's why I got confused. Yeah. But I do know math. I, I, remember, I, I math. remember
0: the moment it happened. I remember watching the game that it happened. <laughs> I wasn't even with you, but I remember I being like, that's going to be it for Peter. And it yeah. was
1: the non-pass yeah, interference it, call. That's right. NFC um, championship game. With the Saints. Uh, playoff game. Yeah, with That was the a Saints. horrible non-call. It was a horrible call. Was that Awful. the play playing the Rams? Um, he might have even been playing. No, I, I think it I was the Packers. The, I think it was the Packers. Okay, I just remember yeah. the the yeah the, the no call. I can still remember that referee. What he looked like. And the I anger. Mean, yeah,
0: basically they tackled the receiver. Yeah. Before the ball got there, and they were like, no call. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> I mean, it was like guy Fine. was like, it yeah. was
1: like you know when your friend that doesn't tip is not even reaching for the for the for the for the yeah. flag, you know, reaching for their wallet to yeah. to, to share, you know, but uh, but on a positive note. It's done amazing things for my open studio and my piano career and all this kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. It's freed up yeah. quite a few hours. I mean, the number of hours I spent watching the NFL over the years being a Saints fan, it kind of adds up. Yeah, I remember when the DVR came out. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. That kind of helped because I started going past. I didn't realize that they're not three and a half hours long. They're only 60 minutes long if you have a DVR. I just, um, you know, I was I, I follow this. I follow a bunch of of interesting,
0: I think, interesting folks on Instagram. And one of them is this podcaster. He's actually a business professor at New York University. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Scott Galloway. Have you ever heard of Scott oh, Galloway? Oh, Scott Galloway, of yeah, course, yeah. 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 He's got a lot of good stuff. He's got a great yeah. Instagram. But yep. he was just saying, I could tell how uh, how happy someone is by the ratio between how much they sweat versus how much they watch other people sweat. In other words, <laughs> right. if you spend your whole Sunday just watching other right. people moving and you never move yourself, you're probably not going to have as much well-being as someone who moves a lot more than they watch other people move, which I thought was a really interesting way to frame it. Because usually you can shame someone by saying like, oh, you should get off the couch or you're watching too much TV or whatever. But (laughs) like psychologically thinking about it, uh, how much you watch people sweat versus how much you sweat yourself, I thought was really inspiring and,
1: and a pretty interesting take on it. But And it rolls right into what well, we're going to be talking about. Well, the health outcomes from that probably would be well documented. Oh, for as sure. It, yeah. But, but think about this, too, before you – I just wanted to highlight something that I think we mentioned on here. Or maybe it was one of the the Open Studio courses. Big shout out to our sponsor, Open Studio, hey, hey, hey. as well, because we have some wonderful new courses. I think I talked about this, uh, yeah, in one of the courses I just here in Great Harmony is out. Yeah, My new course here in Great Harmony. Yeah. We got jazz etudes coming. We got more. Anyway, the 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 idea that if you are consuming more artistic content than you're creating, if you are a creator, this I mean, if you're a YouTuber, if you're a jazz pianist, if you're if you find it upon it's been put upon your heart that part of your time on this earth, or maybe even your primary reason for being here is to create art that will be edifying to yourself and to your family, to an audience maybe, to whatever, that you wanna be part of that artistic process, which I think a lot of people that listen to the pod here um, are in that position, I know we're in that position, that we have to check ourselves in that same way. It's like, okay, it's fun to consume content, but are we creating, are we putting well, love into the world?
0: Yeah, number one, listen, for sure, yes. as your practice routine, number but one, you, consume. Ha- you <laughs> have to make a lot of stuff to make good stuff. You yeah. just do, you have to make yeah. high volume, uh, quantity of things to make quality of things. Yep. It's, it's not uh, exclusive. Yep. Um, so, but What are we, we talking about today? Well, we're talking about psychology, actually. We're, oh, talking right. about, we're talking about how sports psychology can be really beneficial to all performers, including musicians. We were just talking about our favorite sports documentaries that we're watching. I'm watching this great tennis documentary on Netflix called Breakpoint. And there's a lot of sports psychology going on in this documentary. We're talking a little bit about NBA basketball. Um Playoffs are upon. I us. do still watch that. And, I'm very up on that. Yeah, and uh, and how important psychology has been to some of the great NBA players, and how you kind of recognize when you see these sports psychologists talk to their players, or you or you hear about sort of the attitudes that are are involved in having success at yep. these sports it's a there's a straight line almost directly to the bandstand to what it's like to perform anything at any level even at a humble level if you're just you know sitting in a jam session the same things psychologically are going on there that go on in the nba finals like the same uh fears happen the same um the same triggers can happen where anxiety anxiety can happen uh and And the same results can happen, where you can succeed or you can fail, and how you treat that can be the same. So there's a lot of similarities, I think, that we can draw upon. And I thought we could just have a conversation today, Peter, about sort of what we've learned from great... Uh, athletes and sports psychologists and how that could be applicable to some of our dear listeners here if they haven't absolutely already applied that kind of stuff. It can be really, really beneficial,
1: not just to your performance, but even to your practice routine. Well, I, I think we may even discover that it's that's where a lot of it is, that yeah. process yeah. stuff. But I, I like the way you're framing this as performers, as performers, because I think that's where the commonality um, can really be. It's one lens that we can see the commonality between an athlete and a musician. What is it that, that is similar? What can be learned on both sides? And I think that both are performers, you know. And this idea that um, an athletic event be that a solo athletic event where somebody, you know, if it's Alex Honold trying to climb a mountain without any tethers or, or whatever, free solo, that's the free solo guy. Yeah. Um, friend of the pod. I don't know that he would be though he, he he'd love our concert. amazing. So. Um, he's an improviser uh, but that's an athletic endeavor that is done on his own, and it's kind of like if he climbs a mountain in the in the on the mountain and nobody sees it, did it still happen? Ah, uh, yeah, um but also you know the more common athletic events in which there's an audience there audience is that what you call them? Yeah. That's like at a football game? A crowd. Yeah. A crowd, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of drunken uh, NASCAR fans. That's no, an that's audience, man. <laughs> that's an audience, yeah. okay. So that, but that's the thing is like, are they playing the game to beat each other or to be the best themselves or to be – Part of something bigger than them Or are they performing for the audience Well they, there's there's no line between those things And it's the same thing as jazz musicians As visual artists As dancers or whatever right So we're doing yeah. it for the audience But we're doing it for ourselves We're doing it for the world We're doing it because it's fun Because it's exhilarating Whatever But there's that performance part of it Even if you're like I'm not a performer When Serena Williams is out there playing tennis Although I've, I've, I'm hearing that she may I got some insider information She may be retiring I'm just saying <laughs> keep, your, keep your ear to the ground That's what I heard you heard it here yeah, last, yeah. folks. Yeah. <laughs> You'll hear it. Um, but, you know, when she's out there, is she thinking I'm doing this for the audience, for the crowd? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But that, that's the, the end result of it. Yeah. You know, they're there, you know we're, we're there to watch, to cheer her along, to participate. And I think that that's sort of the, 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 the getting above the clouds and looking down and seeing some commonality between, I think, what we do. And and can kind of be a reason to be like, okay, well, let's think about the process then. Let's think about the process of practicing. Is there some things that we can learn from the way that athletes practice? And we talk about professional athletes versus amateur. The process is the same. The yeah. level may be different. And how many times have we said that as, as a jazz pianist as well? Yeah. Yeah, as I was watching that, that tennis documentary, uh,
0: which was, it's really great. I can't recommend it enough. Uh I was, it was one of the coaches was talking about, you know, the, the difference between the, the people who are at the top of the game, the Serena's, the Roger Federer's, the yep. Rafael Nadal's and sort of the mid-level folks. And he talked about basically effort and, and you would think like, oh, and, and wanting it, right? Oh, yeah. like how badly do they want it? And you would think like, oh, the people at the top, they want it the most, right? And he was like, not necessarily. <laughs> right. Like there's a, there's a. A level of holding on too tight that can happen, yeah. where your entire identity is wrapped up into whether you win this point or not. Where you tighten up, and yeah. if you're if you're playing out of fear, yep. that can be detrimental to your performance. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're it's basically what he was saying is you need the right amount of fear yeah. You need the, the, the amount of, of fear that sort of gets you up in the morning to work on fundamentals even at the highest level to get up and, and do like the the you know the ball exercises that they do the little footwork exercises yeah. that even the pros do it's the same as the kids do and right. they, they do it you know the same way ball drills and you got to you got it's just like us you know working on scales or time or yeah. voicing or there's rhythm there's no
1: professional level scales and amateur no. level scales it's They're all about scales
0: yeah and the the higher you get of course the more detail you can get the more nuanced you can get but it's a lifelong pursuit those sort of very fundamental things that we all have to work on you need enough basically you need to care enough to want to get up and actually put in the time to do it cuz all it takes for that stuff uh, spoiler alert is time yeah like you need to put time and energy into fundamentals but you need to not have too much fear that you are not uh, that that it it, it hand, hinders your freedom, right? To where you are not taking risks, you're not playing, you know, you're not really going for winners because you're trying to play it right. too safe, right?
1: You get in that performance
0: anxiety. You're in a performance right exactly where you and, and the equivalent of that is you get on stage, you try to just play things that are say if you're not actually yeah. exploring anything you're playing things you already know you're not, you're not having fun you're worried about how you sound right your your identity is caught up in you know the next solo that you take or the next you know tune you play or the next gig you have yeah that is or who's there the audience oh watching. my gosh it's it's endless what can happen yeah you have to have enough you know uh, desire and and fear to want to, Get those fundamentals down, but not too much that it hinders your performance, and you're too wrapped up in that, you know, achievement self, right? Yeah. And there's a delicate balance here. And yeah. the the unfortunate thing, the fortunate thing is it's not really a, a talent thing or a playing thing. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is it's a personality thing. And sometimes the best way through that is actually to work on your personality. You know, and yeah. it's, it's a tough one. This is why psychology can play. Uh, such a huge role. We were talking about, like, if you're really struggling with su- this stuff, sometimes the best musical training you can do is actually to go, like, talk to a therapist or someone who can help you with this performance stuff. You know right. what I mean? Specifically. Because Perform- yeah. it can be really challenging to work on on your own. It can be hard to talk about with other musicians. Well, you
1: performance, know? you know, anxiety can be totally debilitating One hundred to an athlete. And we see with some of the young athletes and uh, older. I mean, a lot of times as they get older... They start to go to the therapist or talk to people and like figure these things out. It's very hard when you're highly skilled, you've practiced a lot, and you're highly talented. You've got all the different things going, and I mean, tennis is such a one-on-one normally, yeah. Um, sport, but also as being a jazz musician, the same kinds of th- same kinds of anxiety can be triggered at different times if we don't get out of our head or get into our head at the right time or whatever. Like those. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the physicality, too, because a lot of times people think, oh, well, that's where it's different. Obviously, an athlete is using their body as their instrument, but a musician is used playing their instrument. It's like, ah, but what are we using to play the instrument, our yeah, body? So totally. there's even some, some similarities there. But I think that this concept, I think what we, you were just kind of talking about, we could look at it through the lens of like, can you practice these fundamentals as a tennis player? Or as a jazz pianist, just two examples, like where you're very focused, you have a very keen understanding. Basically, what we talk about with Open Studio Pro: practice like a pro. Not think about like what level am I at? Whatever. No, you're you're practicing the same things. You're a basketball doing the same drills that you yeah. did in the third grade and that Steph Curry's doing tonight yeah. before the game. We're all practicing this with the same twelve notes. That's right. You know, and you are like doing that, and you are like you know you're regimented, but you're also finding joy in that process. You're not, not afraid every day and every minute, yeah. right? but you're but not you're, afraid to
0: go to go for stuff when you perform you're not afraid to express yourself yeah. that's right yeah
1: the same as like you, you know a runner's out there putting one foot in front of the other it might be a little faster it might be slower but they have the same issues of like some days like ah oh, this is a grind or whatever yeah. but they still find that joy that's the top level yeah. find that joy in that grind whatever but it's like you're doing that but then that switch talk about psychology that switch to game time gig time like, what is it? Is it like, and so you kind of alluded to this in a, in a fantastic way. It's like, oh, the pros know how to just, like, get in the zone and stuff. Yeah, maybe, but what is that zone? Is that getting into, like, it's time to have fun? To perf- and performing at a high level is fun. You know what I mean? So Serena Williams is out there, Roger Federer out there. It's like, you see that joy. They're serious, but there's also a joy. And, like, that's when you get some interesting things that happen in athletics where sometimes a fierce competitor, like, acknowledges their opponent because they find joy when they're doing great and when like they rise and there's that back and forth. And sometimes you're like, Oh, they're not a great competitor because they smiled or acknowledged. It's like, no, they're having so much fun playing. I mean, a volley back and you need two great players to do that. That's not a solitary act, you know? And so I think that with music where it's really more of a collaborative thing and it's not a directly competitive thing, that's a, that's a thing that we obviously do not want to take from athletics where it's like, where we're coming to compete against the other players on this stage. No, you're part of the process. Yeah. But to be able to like make that switch from performance time, from practice time, to really like, okay, I'm going to put the fundamentals. You're not putting them aside, but you're going to let them come out naturally. I mean, if Roger Federer is out there thinking about the you know the speed and the angle that he's coming on his forehand as he's doing that, he's already lost, right? Yeah. But that has to happen Now he's thought about that and practiced and repeated it, and then he's like, "Okay, just let's go out and make the magic happen." And I think if we can pull some of that over, it can be a really exciting. I know I've experienced that. I know you have a lot of people have, and that's open to everybody. That's not just at the pro top,
0: yeah. level. yeah when you're when you're at the performance level, when you're ready to perform, you need to forget about the fundamentals and just be exploring what can happen and just be playing and just be focused on being free and yeah. seeing seeing what you can add to the situation. Um, and that's easier said than done, you know, just to, again, to kind of go back a little bit to fear. Remember those, like, corny T-shirts from the 90s, no fear, you would yeah. see the bumper stickers? Like, I feel like that's such bullshit. It's total bullshit. There's never any lack of fear, right. right? And fear can be an incredibly positive experience if you aren't aren't caught up in it right and it can be a can be a fuel to help you perform better and actually help you focus in the moment like like as long as you don't push the fear away or you don't identify with it like it becomes your identity like "Oh, oh i'm scared to do whatever right as long as you recognize okay There's fear here, right? Well, it's the
1: meditative approach. You can acknowledge it without putting it on your back. You
0: have distance from (laughs) it. It's not. You're not identified with it. It's not you. uh, But you're also not saying, "I I don't." You're not real. There's no fear. Whatever. Like you're like, "Oh, fear is here," but I'm going to use that here to stay present with what's going on. Acknowledge, like, "Oh, there's fear here." You know.
1: Think about the time as a as a musician that you're most likely that folks, all of us, encounter fear or anxiety. It's like. It's way worse before you're playing, no matter what. I mean, like, if you let it debilitate you, get to the point of disabling you, you won't even be able to play. But, But you're normally not even at the, or you're about to play, and then you're like, uh... Like, once you get into it, you might not love everything you're doing and it might fall apart, but the fear, it's like, well, I'm in it now. Yeah, it, so, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that time before, whether that's hours before, or right before, or whatever, this thing of like the fear come is going to come in yeah. for almost everybody. When it comes in, just be like, oh, wow, that's fear. Like, you don't have to adopt it, though. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and obviously, meditation and, and a lot of these things can help you. To, to really be able to use your mind to control those things, I It's think. helped me, but just know that it's a common thing, and you, yep. it's there's no getting around it. Well, Every- and that's the biggest part, right, is knowing that it's there yeah. and knowing that it's coming. Like, that's a good, great way to kind of slay it down. Have we talked about it? I've used to have, like, this used to be a real struggle for me,
0: especially in my 20s when I was first kind of, like, playing a lot, traveling a lot, touring a lot. I would have panic attacks on the regular, yeah. you know, like, right before, like, either... Backstage, right before a gig. Yeah. Sometimes being out there and like the first song, I would have like uh uh, uh things would start closing in, get yeah. the drop down the spine, you know, where yeah. th- the adrenaline starts pumping yeah. or whatever. No, it's your ne- it's your body. Yeah. The
1: chemicals are being released in
0: your brain to protect you. One hundred percent. Yeah. It's terrifying, yeah. and you and then you're also you're. You but feel how like, could you
1: imagine being like? Oh, but don't no fear though. No fear. No fear. No, <laughs> and that's what I thought. I also
0: you know was like not. Treating the physical part of myself the way that it deserves. <laughs> smoking a
1: pack of cigarettes. Before? I was drinking
0: coffee up <laughs> until 10 p.m. You know, like as much as I could. So definitely not helping the situation. But it can be you. You know, that can then cause fear. It can It could spiral. And so you know, for, yeah, for me, like meditation therapy can be really helpful for getting out of that, getting some distance from that, and then really being able to perform at at a place where you're comfortable. Where you are, you're comfortable with dealing with fear, and I think you know listening to the sports psychologists talk about that too, about how tightly you're holding on to your identity as this next shot is me. I'm wrapped up into this. All these people are watching. Which it, with with you know having enough of like I I want this to go well. Right. Like I want to you know have a career in music, but also like. Uh, my worth as a human being is not dependent on this next solo. I'm right. good no matter what. People are going to love me no matter what. Right. That can be hard for a lot of people to get to, but I promise you, the work you do on that gets you playing better. Yeah. On the side. it gets you playing more freely, more creatively, and it, it lets the fundamentals that hopefully you work on come out. We should do a next episode. Let's do a fundamentals episode. Oh, I want to put the fun in
1: fundamentals. I know you do. I know, you do. I know you do. Well, I think this thing too of fear is something that you really you know you can just take your favorite sport if that's walking or running or playing tennis or ping pong. I love a walk. But I mean anything where you're pushing your body a little bit. um, I find that some of these things it's easier to bring back these lessons to playing music kind of my primary thing professionally I want to do when I experience them in other places. So this idea of like the last thing that you said in terms of like getting perspective like our Like we were genetically programmed to experience fear. And then for chemicals to come out and adrenaline, like this thing of like saying your spine and stuff—that was so that you would be big, so that the other tribe that was coming in, you could kill them if, or like like you would look more menacing. Yeah. Like there's all these things that we don't really need anymore. Yeah. At least not to be playing music or even playing tennis. I mean, I play some
0: gigs where you want to puff up your chest a little bit. <laughs> well, for yeah, sure. I know, right? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, once you kind of, and I think with the thing is in athletics and in sports, you can exp- you can get a little bit more in touch with your body in ways that I find I can bring back to music, which is nice. Yeah. And it's the same thing, like. When you know, when you're running and you hit certain endurance, you know limits that you think you're at, you're kind of like, Okay, wait a second now. Am I actually about to die, or is this just fear of like, yeah, you know, like, and then the other thing I wanted to mention that goes along with that that we take back at the same time is this, talking about no fear is a fallacy, no pain, no gain. How many times do we hear that growing up, Yeah, you know, in being coached or whatever? And that's like, with actual high-level pro athletes, that is actually not a thing. That's yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah. That's a thing for like parents that are too hyped up about the, no pain, no gain. That actually doesn't work. And the same thing in music. Yeah. And and we have to acknowledge, especially like for piano, but I mean, you know, trumpet players. That doesn't mean everything's easy. No, no, no. You Discomfort is great. Yeah. But pain, like if you can't learn the difference between discomfort and pain. Or, and so like with running, with tennis, with these different sports, basketball, like you can really get in touch with your body and start to experience that. And we have to have that, especially when you want to really be practicing longer or something. And so discomfort can come in the form of... Um, see that's pain right yeah. there that's yeah, not just yeah. comfort yeah. but you have to know the difference yep. and like for effective practice because a lot of times your mind will start messing with you be like oh well that's painful so I'm not going to and if it is, you have to stop. But yeah. sometimes it's just discomfort from playing in a new key or fingering.
0: Discomfort should be a regular part of your- Embrace ex- discomfort. Like, it should be a daily part of your practice experience. Yeah. You don't get growth without discomfort. It yeah. has to be there. So so embrace it, like you said. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if we could talk a little bit about some strategies, if you are feeling the fear, if you are feeling too caught up. You know, We just had Aaron Parks uh, do our last masterclass last month, and it was a brilliant masterclass. Yeah. He was a great One of the teacher. Best the yeah. He had great ones. Uh, and he brought this up because, you know, actually, I think almost every master class teacher we've had from Fred Hirsch to Gerald Clayton to Aaron Parks to a bunch of people, hey, uh, <laughs> talk about this kind of idea. You know, the fear, the see, Aaron Parks mentioned called it like seeing red. We've all been playing where it's yeah. like you're just seeing red. You yeah. can't really. Uh, Fred Hirsch has talked about being caught up in it and not yeah. being free. And Aaron Parks uh, had a great strategy, one that I've used myself, and you'll hear a lot of people like Kenny Warner and Fred Hirsch talk about this. It's a mindful approach as you're performing. And he just mentioned just feeling your fingertips on the Mm. piano, like literally, just noting a a bit of mindfulness of the feeling of that feeling your seat on your seat, right? Feeling your bottom on your seat, feeling your feet on the floor. Yeah. Uh, hearing the sounds that are in your room, the total of the sounds and just acknowledging that just that little bit of mindfulness can be incredible. I'll also add something that I got from, uh, um, great Buddhist master, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, which was uh, the sort of like way to get out of this is a feeling of gratitude. Like literally noting something you're grateful for uh, is an amazing tool. It seems so simple and stupid, but like if I'm nervous and I just think of like something I'm legitimately authentically grateful for in that moment, whether like, oh my, I can't believe I'm here right now playing piano with Peter Martin or whatever it is, like just that note it brings this level of playfulness and joy yeah. and mindfulness and 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 presence to the moment that is so helpful and gets you out of this the 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 criticism of the inner mind, the guy who's you know in there going like you're gonna miss this shot. Right. Or you suck if you don't make this. No pain, or, or no gain.
1: Yeah, you're just like, Oh, you know what? This is great. This yeah. is it's great to be here. Well you know? it re- I mean they've proven this. It releases certain um you know Chemical, not chemicals, Wh- whatever The things in your brain. It activates parts of your brain that are needed to be able to perform yeah. when you do things like you know gratitude exercises and um, acknowledge you know serotonin uh, Yeah, and acknowledging um, attitude of gratitude, attitude of gratitude for sure. Yeah. But these things too, you know, like the tactile things where you're feeling. You know, those, those touch points. And that's the same kinds of things that if you kind of figure those out from your athletic pursuits, and then you're like, well, yeah, it kind of works here. Well, I can take this back there. Because I find like with the running, that's an opportunity for me to meditate. Yeah. Because you know, I don't really listen to things anymore or whatever. And so that is so helpful when I come back to the music. I mean, there's the physical stuff. There's the actual process-driven things that we talked about. But just the meditative time for that. And then I come back and I'm like, well, you know, I really should be really good at being able to meditate while I practice or while I perform. You know, i have specific parts kind of within the practice and, like, activate those same kinds of feelings and getting in touch with those that are really universal, you know. Yeah. Um, it can be so helpful you know, for your playing and just for your experience of it. We always talk about fall in love with the process, love your practice. And I know that sometimes that's like, yeah, well that's easy for you to say because you're good or whatever. And it's like, no, I mean that's the level it's, that you're at is is it's it's much smaller part in the same way we talk about talent is not and you have to be careful because then you say, well talent doesn't matter. It's all about how hard you work. Well that's not true. But it's also not it's all about talent. And like, I think the exciting thing about that is it's really up to you. Yeah. So it's there's no, like, it's 90% talent and 10% work. And, and like, you can look at any top-level performer and have a different – and there will be a different analysis of that. But the reality is most of us are not going to be or going – trying to be LeBron James if we go out on the basketball courts or Herbie Hancock if we sit at the piano. And so – there is like, but there is a very high level for you that you can attain if you get your mind right. You know what I mean? And so we spend so much energy on these other things, worried about talent versus, I mean, what the talent that you have is the talent that you ha- have, the body that you have. Yeah. And it's more than enough. Yeah. It's a more than enough probably for you to do anything you've ever dreamed to do at the piano. The talent that you did. Everybody has. Yeah. So don't waste any of your time worried about that or waste as little as you can because your opportunity for growth and for joy within the music and the joy at the piano, just like your opportunity for joy and growth as a basketball player, no matter what level you think you're at, yeah. is is not limited by your talent. I can tell you that. It's limited probably by access to a chord or time or many other things that you can control.
0: Yeah. That's good stuff. I love these. Uh, really? Oh, man. I, I wasn't sure if this was going to be up there. I could do a whole <laughs> podcast. We should start a separate podcast, separate YouTube channel. Get your mind right. Get your mind right. I'll just, this is my favorite stuff to think about. You'll feel it. Yeah, You'll <laughs> feel it. I love it. I love it. Uh, well,
1: if you have a question for us, Peter, well, first yes. of all, if you have a review Wait, or hold a on rating. A hold on. Wait, before you go into this, because this is the time, this has been proven where a lot of people turn us off. Stop. Don't. If you're on YouTube or if you're listening, we got something really exciting that's about to happen. Because you guys, the gentleman's agreement. We're going to talk about that The after. gentleman's agreement. But go on with what you were doing. I'm trying to keep you no, I was going to say, uh,
0: please leave us a rating and review. Seven star reviews only, please. Wow. And uh, it's AF. impossible. Uh, <laughs> but please do that. And uh, yeah, if you want to leave us a question, we've still been taking some speak pipes. Uh, so We've been can, taking quite a few, and they've been flowing in. Yeah, they're great. So you go to youllhearit.com and ask us your question on the voicemail,
1: and you might get on the show. And in terms of um, leaving us a rating review, the gentleman's agreement, and this is for oh, men God. and women. Oh, we're you've been gentlemen, encouraging so that's him. the reason I'm calling it a gentleman's agreement. I'm not trying to be sexist or non-inclusive. It's just the gentleman's well, no agreement is based upon us being gentlemen in that we are extending our our knowledge and our work and our thought output and thought leadership perchance, if you'd like to look at it that way. Um, w- like This is the deal, in other words. We give you a podcast twice a week on the YouTubes or wherever you're consuming this, and you, all you have to do is go to subscribe to the, the YouTube channel. That's the agreement. That's yeah, the even gentleman's if agreement. On YouTube, we're making it simpler. So the gentleman's agreement is we're shaking on that. Now, if you guys choose not to uphold your part of it, that's on you. We've already delivered on that. Yeah, we've already kept our end of the gentleman's yeah, agreement. Dogmatic enough. Uh, boy. Uh, I want to share a couple of the recent reviews because we're saying we're doing this. Okay, um, this is the good part of the internet. This was a review given on the on the on the uh, Apple Podcast. Thanks for this podcast. I love it. Um, it's so satisfying to hear accomplished musicians discuss, examine, explore the realm of jazz theory. This podcast is just what I want to listen to. It's piano focused, but it's relevant for any musician. Much appreciated. That's from Joffman sixty eight, and I'm going to do one more. Thank we're and we're getting so many, secure. we're going to have to save them for next time. 10-star gratitude. Peter, Adam, I'm Ten super stars. grateful to have stumbled upon you guys while searching for inspiration as I reconnect with the piano and the creative process of playing after many years of dormancy. Stoked that I'm on the musical journey again, and it's remarkable I can learn from you both as a student of Open Studio and yet live in Australia. Well, good night, mate. Oh, boy. Oh, that was bad. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's very ungentlemanly of it. This content and wisdom you bring to your podcast is always helpful and insightful, and your energy. Woo! And love of your craft is infectious. I draw much inspiration from you both as a pursue a life filled with more creati- creativity and music. But the Australians, down under, they got it right. Much gratitude. Ash, they have great names love too. It. Love it. And, proven fact, everyone in Australia is attractive. That's true, actually. It's weird. Every single one. How is that possible? Well, you'll, you'll- hear it. You'll, you'll hear it. You'll see it.